Welcome everybody to episode 16 of All Access USL. Uh, we're going to start off right now. Um, yesterday, as of recording this, Rick Chance, Phoenix Rising head coach, has mutually agreed to part ways with Phoenix Rising after they are currently sitting in 10th in the West, five points off of 7th, which is the final playoff spot, with a game in hand. If they were to win that game in hand, they would jump within two points of the final playoff spot, level on games with Las Vegas. So big news. I think a change like that is what was needed. They've been bringing in a lot of players. I liked the most recent signing of J.J. Williams. I have to admit, he's done well. He's scored a couple times since he's got there. But things aren't really changing as much as I think they'd hoped. Only one win in the last five is not going to get them into the playoffs. They shouldn't even be thinking of finishing seventh with a team like they have. They should be thinking of first or second. So it's pretty incredible where they are. Um, and Rick Shantz has had a pretty incredible record with Phoenix. Um, so to see this happening doesn't really feel real. It's almost like just they built too good of a team and he just didn't know how to handle it. There were too many egos, too many quality players that he just couldn't find the right formula for how to make all of them perform together. And I think in the last few seasons, he had just enough and he was getting that first place finish time after time again, and it wasn't quite working in the playoffs. So that was something he had to look out for and continue to work upon. But this year, it all just fell apart because, they, like I said, it almost just felt like they were too good. Um, so, yeah, Rick is gone. Uh, an assistant is taking over for most likely the rest of the season. Um, I wouldn't expect them to. They could get that, like, new manager bounce where they win, like, three or four in a row. I wouldn't expect that to be sustainable for the end of the season. I still do not expect them to make the playoffs. I, I've given up on them pretty much since uh, June. They have been lost for a while. Um, they really don't have much going for them in these next 10-ish uh, games, 8-10 games. So it's going to be probably a stronger finish of the season than the season that they've had so far, but still going to be nothing to write home about and they have a lot to improve upon probably massive turnover um at the end of the season heading into next season which will be fantastic for um probably teams in the west specifically but also all across the usl championship because these are going to be players who have either only known usl championship or want to stay in the usl championship and it is going to be fun to watch it's not going to be fun to watch Phoenix having to rebuild because they are a fantastic team. They have been, and it's going to be weird to see them in that transition period, but it'll be fun to see where some of these pieces go in the offseason because I can be sure to you that there are going to be quite a few players who leave for other championship sides. So felt like that's what we needed to start off with. It doesn't, it's still setting in that he is gone. This is almost like the end of an era for Phoenix. I wouldn't even expect them to go straight back up into the top three next season. They'll be good, but they're going to have to find the guy uh, to lead them back to where they want to be. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that either this season or if they do find him this season. I don't know if he'll be able to get them right back up there in one go. It's going to be a hard task for whoever it is 
So yeah, Phoenix and a bit of a rebuild era here. So yeah, other than that, we've had quite a few. Uh, it seems like every week I say we've it's been a crazy week. We've had some crazy games, but it really has been another crazy week. And we're gonna start off with the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, who, mind you, currently sit third in the West on forty-two points. They're seven behind the San Diego Loyal, and there's uh, fourteen points behind San Antonio FC. San Antonio can make that a 17-point gap if they win their game in hand. San Antonio have been unstoppable this year, and they're starting to create that gap between second. San Diego have been more on a roll, four wins in their last five. They're starting to create that gap between Colorado Springs. But Colorado Springs have kind of been languishing around recently, and they've allowed Sacramento to get back into the race for third. So second, third, and fourth will all get a home playoff spot. So Colorado Springs... I'm not exactly worried about them falling out of that home playoff spot, although they are only three points ahead of New Mexico, so you never know, although New Mexico haven't exactly been doing great themselves. But let me just run you through what Colorado Springs have gone through, or at least been up to, in the past six or so games. So their most recent game was against El Paso. They went up 3-0 within the first nine minutes, and usually... Uh, a team doing that, it feels like it should be sealed, but there's something about the USL championship um, and like American soccer in general where you just know that if a team goes up that early, that much, that early on, they're almost guaranteed to not hold on to that lead. They will, if like, if they go up three goals, they will concede at least two throughout the game. And we saw that. El Paso uh, scored four unanswered. Colorado Springs falling to a 4-3 deficit. They equalized in the 94th minute, the fourth minute of extra time to get that four-all draw. And you think, wow, very disappointing result, but at least they saved at the end. But let me go through what they went through before that game. A 3-0 loss um, away to San Diego, a 3-3 draw at home to the Charleston Battery, a 4-0 loss away to Phoenix, and granted, this is a Phoenix side who, not granted, keep in mind, this is a Phoenix side who have been pretty awful this season, and they still fell 4-0 to them, a 3-all away draw to Orange County, a 4-all home draw to El Paso, and then most recently, this uh, last night, a 3-0 away loss to Sacramento, and that helped Sacramento jump to that fourth place and only two points behind them now in the table. And clearly, this isn't like their offense falling off because they are going like, yeah, they did lose 3-0 and 4-0 and then 3-0 again, but they've had 4-4, 3-3, 3-3. Their attack is there. It just seems like in these last couple of games, they haven't been able to handle, like, adversity almost. Like, they are they start off with the 3-0, then they went to three, the 3-0 draw against Charleston, and it's like, they didn't exactly know what to do. Like, when they are lost on the field, they are lost. They have no ideas. You can see it a lot. Um, I don't know if that's, like, a rift in the locker room or something. I wouldn't count on it. It seems like a very tight group, but it just seems like they're not on the same page when they're losing at all. 
And I think that's pretty crazy for a team that currently sit third. It's been great that they've, or for them, it's great that they had this good first half of the season because now it's not all falling apart, but it's starting to crumble a little bit. And I don't know how it's going to look for the rest of the season. I, they are still pretty much a lock for the playoffs. I would say they're 10 points clear. Um, up next, they do have the Tampa Bay Rowdies at home. We'll get to that later. So that will be a tough one for them as well. But we shall see how it goes. I don't exactly know how you would change it because you've got to keep players like Oxford in there. Um, Caldwell, Hajiberry, Amo, and Galena. How do you bench those players? Uh, because they are like stalwarts of the league more so than switchbacks of the league in general they are household names it's hard to um like justify benching them but at what point is it like this isn't working it hasn't been working for six games we need to change something so i think something big will change they even put out like an apology on their social media saying like this is not how we usually play this is not us we will get better it did not change for El Paso. It did not change for Sacramento. I'll be intrigued to see how it changes for Tampa Bay for sure. So keep an eye on the switchbacks um, in these next couple games, and we'll see how they go. Speaking of Orange County, we talked about Orange County in there. Uh, Orange County have picked up four points from a possible six in their last two games. They've actually been not awful. They got that one-all draw last night against Las Vegas. They picked up that 2-1 win. Um, against Phoenix before that. They got a 5-2 win about five-ish games back. They've been putting it together. They haven't been as um, bad, I'm just going to say bad, as they have been throughout the other halves of the season, the other parts of the season. But they're definitely still lacking a little bit. A lot more uh, bite needed to them. Monterey Bay still have two games in hand over them, and we're going to talk about Monterey Bay as well. Monterey Bay, four wins in their last five. They've now jumped to 11th. They have a game in hand on Phoenix, two games on hand on 9th, 8th, and 7th. If they win those two games in hand, they would be on 35 points, and they would be in a playoff spot. They would even jump El Paso. They have three games in hand on El Paso. What my, This is almost replicating Oakland. Last year, Oakland last year were awful for the beginning, uh, like two thirds of the season. Then the last third, they picked it up and they got a playoff spot. Finally, then they dropped Phoenix in the playoffs. I don't know how much I would trust Monterey Bay to progress past the first round if they were to make the playoffs. But the story in itself of them even being still in the race after the start that they had is incredible enough. If they do make it two years in a row of having a new California club make the playoffs after starting terribly, it's just too perfect almost. So not something I bet on. They have been getting it together recently, but it's going to be a hard task for sure. They do face the switchbacks coming up soon. Uh, so that's something to look out for. They face Las Vegas. Oh, wait, nope. That is, okay, here we go. They face New Mexico away this weekend, then LA at home, then San Diego at home, then Orange County at home. So after an away match, they have three home games. That'll be big for them. Then away to Las Vegas, home to Indy, home to Phoenix, away to Miami. And 
home to Tampa Bay. So a Florida doubleheader to finish the season. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But it would not be smart to count them out, especially with their recent form. So definitely something to look out for as well as Monterey Bay head into this final half of the season, looking to make the playoffs. Not something I thought I'd say, but here they are. Uh, also, RGV. RGV in this mix is pretty pretty uh, interesting. RGV were... They have been pretty mediocre for the whole season. They do have two games in hand on Orange County above them in 12th. Orange County, for um, knowledge, are, have played 25 games, so they have seven games left. RGV have played 23, so they have nine games left. So RGV have the two games in hand. They're only a point behind Orange County. But RGV are yet to win a game since uh, their 1-0 win over Pittsburgh in July. In that time, they have had... Let me just... Goodness, let me... In that time, they have had a one-all away draw to Sacramento, a nil-nil home draw against Hartford, a 2-1 loss away to San Diego, a 1-0 home loss against Las Vegas, a one-all away draw to New Mexico, a one-nil home or away loss to New Mexico, a nil-nil, uh, yes, a nil-nil draw away against El Paso. So that win was actually in July or in June. So they have not won since June, and that really brings up the question of how much time does Wilmer Cabrera have at the helm? Uh, recently, they've only been lining up with one Ford and Frank Lopez. Clearly, they're not getting much creativity from their midfield and not enough goal scoring from Frank Lopez. They've only their top goal scorers. It's tied Frank Lopez, Emilio Acaza, only on four goals. Not great. Um, and they've also been very susceptible at the back with the poor defending. Uh, pretty standard stuff for a team bottom of the table. So. We'll just see how they approve. I'm honestly surprised that Wilmer Cabrera still is in management. He was pretty shoddy with the Houston Dynamo, and he has been, other than last season when he made the playoffs, like almost on a whim, uh, they have not done well. So it'll be interesting to see because I think Emilio Acaza as well does leave after the season. He's only 25. He's a great playmaker. Uh, like I said, he's tied for the most goals on the team with four. If he does get any sort of help creativity-wise, um, I'm thinking if he heads to Indy or Hartford, who are looking for big players who could help creativity-wise. Ikaza, if he goes to Indy, he'd have like Tejada. If he goes to Hartford, he'd have Sadie, Dolly to provide to. A lot better than what he has at RGV. So I would, I would think that those two teams would be good suits for him. But we shall see. Um, at Indy, he'd also have like Noah Powder, who gets up a lot. So it'd be interesting to see for sure. And I owe Nicky Iose. So yeah, a lot to think about for him. Who oh, I believe he will head east uh, in this offseason. Um, and with that, we are going to take a quick little break. All right. And we are back from that little break. So we've kind of been in the West this whole time. Uh, we're going to switch that up a little bit here. We're going to switch over to Detroit. Uh, who picked up a massive win against Birmingham at Protective Stadium um, last night. 
Um, Connor Rutz getting the bicycle kick goal as Detroit finds some form. Uh, Birmingham overwhelmed, or seemingly overwhelmed by the front triangle that uh, Detroit play of Atuhene up there as well. And consistent press of Wynn and Williams. Uh, Wynn and Williams being the fullbacks. Detroit mainly playing a five at the back with uh, Declan Wynn and Williams getting off the field. They were mainly on the halfway line most of the game, if you look at their heat map. But they were getting up. They were pressing. Birmingham weren't really too uh, control that. Birmingham couldn't find the final product either. Uh, they got that good finish from Prosper Kasim late on. But other than that, Birmingham didn't look too great. Uh, I don't have many worries about Birmingham. They're looking well in their playoff race. Uh, they look fine. Uh, that's their first loss in their last five games. Nothing too much to worry about there. That's Detroit's first win in their last five games. So big stuff from Detroit to finally get there. Uh, there's such a big gap. There's so much parity between um, 7th and 8th to where Detroit could probably cruise for the rest of the season and be fine-ish. Uh, I don't think they should, but they probably could and be fine. But still, to get that win and remain, remain above Miami is good. I want Detroit to do well the last this last half of the season because I want to see a playoff game at Keyworth. Granted, I would love to see a game at Ricardo Silva, at Highmark, at Protective, at Al Lang, at AutoZone, at, um, what you call it, Lynn. I'd love to see a playoff game at all of those, but I would honestly, first season to see a playoff game at Keyworth would be incredible. I would almost probably go up to see that game because it would be magical if I could get a ticket there. Uh, but I think Detroit are mostly a lock for the playoffs. Everyone above them is definitely going to make it. Pittsburgh, just that one loss in their last five. Birmingham, just that one loss in their last five. Same with Tampa. Memphis and Louisville have not lost in their last five. All of them are on one, so not much to it other than for Detroit to just keep going, keep moving on, uh, keep improving. And I think they can if they take this win with them, use it as momentum going into their next game. They could do it. They definitely could. Their next game being against, ooh, who is it? Not Tampa Bay. It is against Louisville at home. That'll be difficult, but, you know, there are harder things to do. Louisville are definitely the one of the best teams in the league, but Detroit, never know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, New Mexico as well, losing 2-0 at home against Memphis. Memphis really came through with this game. Uh, New Mexico only with two shots on target out of 13 shots in, to on, in total. Uh, Memphis continued to do well defensively with Goodrum and Fernandez applying the finishes as they jump Tampa Bay in the standings. That is correct. Tampa Bay, who were on a flyer, really, for a while, now fall below Memphis once again. Obviously, there was a point in the season where Memphis were top of the East. They are now second. They fell to third. I believe they were even fourth for a short period of time, but now they're back up into second. Very, very nice to see them back up there. As for how they could do for the rest of the season, we can go through their games real quick. Um, I think they have a fairly good route. They have Birmingham at home, who just came off of that home loss. Not saying that Birmingham are going to fall here, but Memphis have been good. So I wouldn't expect... Birmingham to win. I think a draw. We'll, we'll probably see a draw there. Uh, Loudon 
after that at home, uh, Memphis are at home for louder, I should say. So that seems like a very clean cruise like win for Memphis there. Uh, after that, they have Orange County away. Uh, who knows? Honestly, who knows with that game? Orange County have been better. Uh, I would I would almost put Orange County win that game just because of how purely unpredict- unpredictable they are, but I don't know. I'm not too sure. I'll give that a draw as well. Atlanta United two away. Memphis are going to get the three points there easily, I think. Charleston at home, again, unfortunately for Charleston. They just not have, have not been up to par this season, so I see Memphis taking all three points there. Then it's Louisville away. That's going to be tough. Louisville take that. Miami away. Miami have been a bit iffy recently, but I almost see them taking that as well. Then it's RGV at home. RGV, like I said, have not been up to par either. They're bottom of the West, so Memphis take that. Then it's New York Red Bulls 2 at home on October 9th, their penultimate game of the season. New York Red Bulls 2 are, on points, the worst team in the league. So I think it's fair to say that Memphis grab all three points there as well. And then it's Tulsa away to end the season. So a pretty indifferent run. A lot of teams below the playoff line in their respective conferences. So I could see them at least staying second. They most likely stay second, I would say. They're three points above Tampa Bay. I think staying second is not easy, but easy to say. With Tampa, on the other hand, they fall 1-0 away from home at Linda Family Stadium to Louisville City FC. Louisville, on the night, still looked good. Definitely a bit more that they could have done. Wilson Harris coming on to get his goal, uh, sending Louisville, you know, not back home because they're already in Louisville, but sending them away nicely with the three points, sending Tampa Bay down back to Florida with nothing. Uh, Tampa Bay next play Colorado Springs this weekend. That will be an interesting game. You almost, I'm not going to get into it because we're going to get into it in a second. So, yeah, disappointing for Tampa Bay because they they play a 3-4-3. And I think you usually expect to concede a lot there and score a lot there. When you play a 3-4-3, obviously the ideal thing is to score a lot and concede none. I know that's crazy. That's how you want to win a soccer game. But I think that kind of goes against what their whole plan is of they have a lot of numbers up top. They still got shot down by Louisville. They almost did enough to get that draw, which would have been a fine result, but they still couldn't because Wilson Harris and the quality of that Louisville front line just came through like it usually does. Tampa Bay, I think against the switchbacks, will have an easier time breaking down what the switchbacks have. Uh, The switchbacks usually play a four at the back. Um, They usually play Amo, Barry, and Ingolina up top more like a traditional 4-3-3-ish that can change around. I think Tampa Bay, like I said, will have more of an easy time bringing that down. But Colorado Springs, after that 3-0 loss, I almost see their offense catching on fire again. I could see another high-scoring draw in this game for sure. So definitely something to watch for. Uh, Some big games coming up. I just, like I just said, that switchbacks to Tampa Bay Rowdies game, I could honestly see like a three-all draw there. We have six in the East Detroit versus first in the East Louisville. I think I talked about that a bit earlier. Uh, Detroit, with that triangle up top, I don't know how well it's going to do against Louisville. Louisville are very, very good under adversity. They can switch around a lot, especially with like the, what's the word I'm looking for? 
with the versatility of players like Amadoudia and Shantosh and pretty much all of their defenders. Uh, they can really do anything. So I don't see Detroit winning this game. Unfortunately, they have been good for their money at home this year. But I think Louisville will take this 1-0 as well. I think they'd be absolutely happy with that. Uh, it would keep their point tally ticking over nicely. For Detroit, I don't think there'd be anything to be worried about if you do lose this game. Uh, looking at their schedule coming up, we can look at their schedule real quick. Maybe we can't. All right, never mind. We can't look at the schedule uh, coming up. But for Detroit, I think heading into the second half of the season, or this like last stretch of the season, I always second half, this last stretch of the season, it's just about being consistent almost, just trying to grind out results, even if it's draws away from home and trying your hardest just to not lose at home as well. I know that's not saying much for a team currently sixth, but expansion year, you just want that playoff spot almost. It'd be great to fight for that home playoff spot. Like I said, I'd love to see Keyworth uh, make a appearance in the playoffs, but at what point do you just have to say, we just want the playoff spot in our first year? So I don't see Detroit win this game. Uh, eighth in the East, Tulsa versus ninth in the East, Indy. Definitely has more at stake than you would think. Uh, Tulsa are nine points out with a game in hand on Miami. Indy are, granted, 15 points out with two games in hand on Miami in seventh. Uh, Tulsa pretty much have the most to play for here. They have three wins in their last five. I do think Tulsa takes this game fairly easily. Uh, Indy have been a bit of a pushover at times, especially away from home. Tulsa coming off of that nice 2-1 uh, win away against Miami, which was big. Uh, they didn't play midweek, so they'll have a nice rest. For sure. Uh, yeah, I think Tulsa take it 2-1 like Hartford took their home game against Indy 2-1. Uh, Indy, very disappointing season. They shipped out Nikki Law. They have brought in a lot of good pieces, so I think they'll be good next year if they can find... Maybe if they sack their manager, I don't know. If they can find the right man, if they do, then I think everything will come together. Maybe it's just a couple missing pieces up top and at the back midfield-wise. I think they're doing good, but... We'll see how they continue to trot on for the rest of the season. And then after that, 10th in the East, Hartford take on Miami, who are in 7th. Hartford are, for the most part, out of the playoffs. They are 17 points behind with a game in hand on Miami. They have so much ground to make up. There is a possible 36 points to be grabbed from the last eight games, but they're not going to win every game to finish out the season. We can do a quick run-through of their schedule for sure. Uh, they have Miami at home and Tulsa away. The New York Red Bull is two away. Winnable games. Then LA Galaxy two away. They'll probably fall there. And then Tulsa at home. Las Vegas at home. Loudoun away. Uh, Charleston at home. Oakland away. So it's actually not too crazy to say that they could get a good haul of points. Like maybe 24 points there. Hit 44 but it's still too much of an ask for them to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win this game against Miami. I think it's going to be a one-all draw. Very disappointing. I think that, for the most part, will shut their hopes down if seventeen being 17 points behind isn't shutting their hopes down enough. Uh, we already talked about switchbacks, rowdies. That's the next one I had. Last up, though, for the games that I have, I have 2nd and East Memphis versus... Oh, no, I actually have one more after this. I have 2nd and East Memphis versus 4th and East Birmingham. Uh, like I said, I see a draw here. Memphis, very good attacking-wise. Uh, players like Goodrum, Seagrass, Malloy, Kissiadu, 
have been very good. Trey Muse and Goal have been very good. A lot of fantastic stuff. Fernando's been good. But I think Birmingham just, mm, I don't know. I don't think, I'm not going to say that. I just think heading, how do I want to put this? Memphis are very good. But I think sometimes they just lose the magic a little bit. And I think that's going to be in this game. Uh, but after that, I think they'll pick it up and they'll be fine. But I just think Birmingham will head in and like clothesline them for like the first 30 minutes with a good press, which they didn't really get against Detroit. And I think that will kind of, obviously with a press that will push back Memphis, they won't really know what to do. But the rest of the game, they'll be fine. They'll press back. They'll get that goal. It'll finish one all. It'll be a pretty fair result. And uh, we'll be on our merry way, seeing Memphis continue on into second place. And then I also have six in the West of Paso versus second in the West, San Diego. This is an interesting game. I think out of all of them, this is an interesting game. San Diego have, at times this year, looked just like the switchbacks is, as in, when they went down, they looked lost. They haven't done that in a while, games-wise. Their last five games, four wins, one loss. El Paso, though, have really lost their touch. Again, at the start of the year, they lost their touch. Then they hit their stride like at a perfect time, and now they've lost it again, seemingly. Four losses and one draw in their last five. That four-all draw against uh, the Colorado Springs switchbacks being that draw. A 1-0 loss to Monterey Bay. Before that, a 1-0 home loss to El to Louisville, a 1-0 home loss to San Antonio, a 4-0 loss to Oakland before that. It's been a rough five-game stretch. I don't think it's going to get any better. I think they're going to lose here to San Diego 2-0. And if Las Vegas get a result, if LA Galaxy get a result, that pushes them into eighth. And El Paso are almost just right back where they started, outside of the playoffs, looking in, wondering how has it all gone this wrong. I don't really know what to look at. Uh, it's kind of just an individual thing. There's players there who have been performing uh, match in, match out. There's players who have, they followed the trend of not great at the beginning of the season, picked it up when the rest of the team was picking it up. So it almost kind of made them look better during that good stretch. And now that the team is underperforming again, it's all falling apart. So El Paso have a lot to look to improve upon. And I think it's going to have to start with this game if they lose it, which I think they will. So, yeah, those are the games I am looking towards this weekend. A lot of big games for sure. Uh, and then just some players to finish off. We're going to go with uh, my MVPs so far in each area of the field, not in uh, like particular just an overall MVP, but MVP for each position. So goalkeeper, we have Matt Van Okel. Purely because he is a good reason why Birmingham are as high as they are, and he leads the league in clean sheets. It's about as simple as. Uh, ben Lunt, Evan Newton could be good candidates to go in there as well. Uh, Lunt has been good. He's made, he has, I believe he leads the league in saves, um, which normally you would lead the league in, sa in saves when your defense has not been helping you the whole year and you are lower down the table, but he's still been very good for uh, where they are. But I think Van Oakle definitely takes that top spot for goalkeeper MVP. Defender, I have three players. I have Sean Tosh uh, and then Mitch Taintor, uh, mainly because they're both like attacking center backs almost. Uh, Taintor mainly does play fullback. He gets up. He pushes really high. 
decent amount of goal contributions for San Antonio this year. But he can also play at center back, and he is very versatile in that way. So that's great to have him there. That's why I've put him there. Sean Tosh, though, takes penalties for Louisville. Uh, just like a real, he's that shirt-tucked, like, hard lad, and I love that. I'm not saying that's why I put him there, but he just comes off as a hard man, and he has absolutely shown it this year. He is taking control of that Louisville defense, and I think it has worked wonders for them. So Sean Tosh there for good reason. And then a little sleeper pick, Patrick Segrist who has been very, very good for uh, Memphis this year. Definitely held them over on that left side. You know, a lot of teams in this league, I think, struggle to find good fullbacks. And I think Memphis have really struck gold with Patrick Segrist. So I put him there as well for their pretty much unprecedented uh, run up the table in the second. Midfield, I don't think this is a surprise. Aaron Malloy, he has conducted this Memphis midfield since day one this season. He runs it like no other, and I think he is one of two reasons why they are where they are. One, being Philip Goodrum and Laurent Kissidou being so good. Two, being him being fantastic. Memphis have made very smart moves this year that have definitely rounded out those two things of Malloy being the basically like creative outlet of the midfield and Philip Goodrum having like a breakout year. But... You can't overlook what Malloy and Goodrum have done. So that's why I put Malloy there as well. Forward, I would have put Goodrum here. But there's one real man you put here. And it's Milan Oloski. 19 goals on the season for an Orange County team who have looked flat-footed the whole season. Very, very good from him. I would not be surprised if we see him moved abroad or even to MLS in this offseason. So definitely keep a lookout for that. Uh, A sleeper pick, I put Augie Williams as well. 13 goals for a pretty disappointing Charleston team. Uh, he's done well. And Philip Goodrum as well. Uh, I believe 15 goals he has for Memphis so far this year. So definitely a lot of options um, everywhere across the park. So those are my MVP uh, picks for positionally based. My posi- Jesus, I cannot talk sometimes. My like positionally based MVP picks for this season. So yeah. Well, that is going to be it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I think tomorrow I'll have out another history of episode. So yeah, definitely make sure to look out for that. Um, So yeah, I'll see you guys for the next history of episode.